Drew, what episode is this? My fourth, but fifth overall. Fifth overall. We missed you last week, man. We really did. But it's uh, it's good to have you back. Well, um, and the thing I was telling you earlier is Jonah sounds just like me. So one of these times, I'm just going to have Jonah come on. We're not even going to mention that he's replacing me. No one's going to know. Here's the ultimate prank. We're doing that right now. <laughs> this is Jonah Wilkins. <laughs> no, it's actually Drew. Drew is back. Um, I, I was laughing a little bit at that, that list you sent me of all the different movies that you have no desire to see. Right. Aren't you a Christopher Nolan guy? You don't want to talk about Interstellar? No. I love Interstellar. Okay. It's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Was it because it was made in 1969? Yeah, come on. How can that even compare? I'm like, it's not worth it. You understand that people, there are many people that think 2001 A Space Odyssey is the best movie movie ever made. I understand that. You don't care. I've heard from multiple people who are like, I tried it and it wasn't good. I have not seen the whole thing. I got mm-hmm. about halfway through. Granted, I watched it when I had a cold, so I was like swigging NyQuil. Sure. Like, <laughs> Which so is that probably, that the, well, it might be the best way to watch that movie. You might be right. You might be right. We'll have you watch 2001 Space Odyssey just so you can talk about Interstellar. Okay. If that's We can okay. get around to it. I know you're not a big fan of movies before 2000. <laughs> uh, by the way, that reminds me, we were joking about... Well, when's... What? I won't interrupt. Go oh, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just saying, we were joking a couple weeks ago about which movie won the 1975 Academy Award for Best Picture, and I was like, oh, Tootsie or something, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to make a quick guess on what it is, Drew? Seven, well, so are we saying it was the 75 Oscars, so it would have come out in 74? Yes. Uh, is it One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Uh, no, it's a little known film called The Godfather Part Two, okay. And so... <laughs> Of course. Should've also known. one of the best movies ever made, according to many people. You know, I've only seen the first Godfather. I'm sure you haven't seen any of them. What did you think of the first one? Uh, one of the best movies ever made. It's, it's legit? <laughs> yeah, dude. I guess yeah, I it should see up. it. It holds up. I saw... I've seen Goodfellas. That's kind of like my mob... Yeah, mob mafia. Mobster kind of yeah, yeah. movie. I liked Goodfellas, but I mean, even that, I was like, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd watch it again, but it didn't, like... It's not one of my all-time favorites. I'll tell you what. I like other Scorsese movies a lot better. Than Goodfellas? Yeah. What's... Here, quick, rapid-fire, in no particular order, your top three Scorsese's. Ooh, top three Scorsese's. You ready for this? Yeah. Number one is... I'm pretty sure all these are on the list. <laughs> number one is Silence. Silence, yeah. Which, the Silence first reformed episode is going to be insane. I'm excited for that Put one. the kids to bed. <laughs> yeah. The sickos are out for that one. I saw Killers of the Flower Moon and thought it was incredible. Yeah. I really did. Mm-hmm. And then number three, Wolf, Wolf of Wall, Wall Street. Street. Yeah. Which is one of the most entertaining movies I've ever seen in my life. I'll throw in one extra because I, I love them all. Top three is so hard because there's so many that right. you leave out. One that I would want to throw in there is uh, Shutter Island. I really like Shutter You're Island. You're a Shutter Island guy, mm-hmm. huh? Yep. You know, it's good. Have you seen it? It's been a while. Mm-hmm. I, I remember not connecting with it a lot when I was, I think I saw it when I was 16 or 17. After we'll revisit it. It's a good one, and I think watching it again once you know where the end is helps because the, yeah. then you can watch it with a completely different and lens. You can connect the pieces. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this makes sense. Why this is happening? Yep. Mm-hmm. No Hugo fans out there, or uh, some of his. It was just interesting. <laughs> right. Quit. I never really wanted to necessarily talk about Martin Scorsese in this podcast. This specific podcast, right? Like this episode. This episode. <laughs> we will definitely talk about him later. But, um, you know, he's got two different kinds of work. He's got, like, his minor works and then his major works. Right. But he's got a lot of really good minor movies. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Bringing Out the Dead with Nicolas Cage is really good. Mm-hmm. He's got this movie called Kunden. 
which is about the Dalai Lama. Really? Huh. It's just got a lot of like small things like that. Yeah. And obviously you have Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, Goodfellas is one right. of the big mm-hmm. ones. And yeah, Casino. Casino. But we, uh, I think we have a uh, we have King of Comedy on our list. We have King of Comedy and Joker. Yeah. So. And I added, I don't know if you saw, I added Falling Down to that. So we might actually do a, a three movie episode there. Have you seen Falling Down? I have not seen Falling Down. It's, it's Michael Douglas. Okay. And it's like um, the premise of how one person can go crazy by just having one bad day. One, one bad really day. bad day. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'm, I'm telling you, man, we've got a lot of we got a lot of fun stuff. How many there. do we have on our list right now? Uh, we have seventy eight. <laughs> okay, so we're we're locked and loaded for over a year. Dude, the rat. Did you put ratatouille mouse hunt on it? I sure did. <laughs> Bring it back to my my three year old days watching <laughs> mouse hunt. Yeah, we got a lot of good stuff on here, but we're talking about two movies specifically today, Drew. Yeah. Throw all the rest of them out. We're talking the newest movie. That we have on this list because it's the only 2024 movie we have. Mm-hmm. Self Reliance, Jake Johnson's directorial debut. Yep. Real quick, Which, are you a, are you a new girl guy? I'm not really a new girl guy. I've seen some of it. I have other friends who are really into the show. I haven't really super got into it, but that is when I saw this movie, I was like, oh, he's in New Girl. Yeah, so I'm plays, at least familiar enough. Right. Plays Nick Miller in New Girl, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna talk about Truman Show, 1998, Drew. So before 2000. Before 2000. <laughs> and uh, I'm really excited to talk about that one. And I, just full transparency, it's a little bit of the reason why I wanted to, that why we're talking about self-reliance in the first place mm-hmm. is so we can talk about the Truman, Truman Show. Show. Yeah. And so, but let's let's go ahead and start with self-reliance. And spoilers. Spoilers. Yes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> we should put an actual... Right. Just edited. in the bio or something. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What did you think about this movie? Yeah, so I hadn't heard of this movie before you suggested it, and so I was like, oh, it sounds interesting, based on the, you know, the little Google synopsis, which it looks like you've got it pulled up right there. Let me, t- let me read it for you real quick. Tommy, played by Jake Johnson, mm-hmm. receives an invitation to win $1 million by playing a game where he must outwit hunters attempting to kill him. He realizes the hunters can only attack him when he's alone, but none of his friends and family believe the game is real. Mm-hmm. Interesting premise. It is an interesting premise. And um, I'll tell you, my initial thoughts of the movie was that you could tell it was a... um, Because this is like a Jake Johnson movie through and through. He started it. He wrote it. He directed Mm -hmm. it. Like, it's it's all his project. To me, it seemed like uh, Jake Johnson was just sitting around, and then one day this idea kind of popped in his head, and he's like, that would make a really cool movie. And I'm going to do everything. I'm going to write it, direct it, and star in it. Yeah. So it's it is a Jake Johnson movie. You can tell he's he's really passionate about it, and I think that's one of the best parts about the movie. He's got this story that he thinks really interesting, and he's driving it. Well, it's funny you bring that up about you know it seems like he was just sitting there and he's like, okay, let's do this. Apparently, he had been working on it for a bit. Like he wrote mm-hmm. the script years ago, yeah, but just kind of put it in his back pocket. And then COVID happened, and so he was just kind of bored, right? And he was like, okay, now it's time for me. I could finally make this movie. And even, you know, him, his character and Anna Kendrick's character, that's one of their big things. They're just bored with their mundane lives. Mm-hmm. So they want to play this sick, dark web game. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was it was funny. Yep. There weren't a lot of bits, necessarily. It was more of 
just Jake Johnson's charisma mm-hmm. carrying the, the comedy. Yep. And I think he's charismatic enough for it to kind of work. I think so, too. And I think it's uh, the situations that he gets in. There's some funny stuff going on. I think the, the best thing that it plays off of is that no one else in his life really believes that this is happening. Right. <laughs> Like, he's I mean, like, it is a game shrouded in, in darkness, literally, the dark right. web. It's, yeah, and he's uh, like... Quick tangent, do you hang out on the dark web at all, Drew? I don't. Um, uh, me neither. I'm a little scared to even talk about it. Right. I, it's like, I'll, every now and then I'll go in incognito mode. Just, <laughs> like, that's not even the dark web. That's <laughs> it gray web right. most. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the scenes like right at the right when the game starts when he's trying and it starts to, like, right on the game it really does it's quick Andy um, Samberg pulls up in that limo <laughs> which that was a funny little bit him and um, Wayne Brady oh yeah let's make a deal yeah <laughs> him and Wayne Brady being a part of this dark web show just for the paycheck is uh, hilarious good a little bit <laughs> Tommy the main character he clearly has a complicated relationship with his family so when he brings this to them they're all very dismissive and they're like is this like are you just not dealing with your breakup well is that what's going on and he's like no guys like if you leave me alone i am going to get murdered and they're like all right let's let's calm down (laughs) so just that whole idea of him like trying to convince them that they're that this is real and they all just think he's crazy like i think that's one of the best parts of the movie yeah it's it's a it's a fun premise for sure his girlfriend that he just broke up with, uh, they were together for 23 years. I don't know if you picked up on that or not. That's crazy. But uh, they were they were dating for 23 years. And that was that was kind of his big thing, right? Like, that's what sparked him to even play this game in the first place. He was in this rut. And he there's a scene where he actually goes back and talks to his ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I wanted to do things with you, but you never wanted to progress in life. You were just in a rut. Mm-hmm. You weren't doing anything. I think that's one of the... One of the main like morals, uh, one of the main lessons that Jake Johnson's trying to get out of this premise is that like, it's good to like go out and try something different. No one wants to just kind of be stuck in the same routine. When you wake up, you feel like you have no purpose because you're just doing the same thing over and over again. Like, go out and try something new. Right. Like, it's worth it. But this movie definitely plays that game where. You're, it's kind of flirting with an unreliable narrator, or in this case, I think an unreliable main character, uh-huh. where you're seeing everything through his point of view. Because there are definitely parts where you start thinking, so is, is he just imagining this? Yeah. And and that, that kind of plays with that the whole movie, where you're like, I'm not exactly sure if this is actually happening. Well, I mean, you got to think, even the guys, that these, these hunters that are attacking him, mm-hmm. I mean, one's dressed up like Mario... Yep. There's a sumo wrestler that pops up out of nowhere. A yeah, samurai. And, like samurai. and then a Boban Marianovich. <laughs> and Boban Marianovich. And you're right. It's like, is this is this real? And it kind of plays into his paranoia and then how his, his family looks at it. Like it I'm glad you picked that up because that's like a good little, I think, directing technique that he, that he put in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've seen it in other movies before. I can't... There's not one specific one that's coming straight to my head right now, but where... Something happens, and then all of a sudden, the main character is what they're experiencing is an actual reality. But I mean, we can bring up the nice guys when he's dreaming <laughs> when he's about asleep. The ankle gun. Yeah, the ankle gun, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> what do you think about? For most movies, I'm all for them being seen in theaters. Mm-hmm. But this was a streaming release on Hulu, yep. and if you guys are curious and have Hulu, you can watch it right now. 
uh, you might even want to watch it before you finish the rest of this podcast. That's true. Although we've, I don't yeah. know, we've if you're not that interested, then you can stick around because we're going to spoil it. Here's the thing about this movie: I think it's worth the watch. Uh, I think though this movie is perfect for streaming. Like I would, mm-hmm. I hate to be this guy, but if I saw the trailer for it and saw it was going to be in theaters, I probably wouldn't see it in theaters. Mm-hmm. I would wait for it to come on streaming. Right. What do you think about streaming movies in general? Yeah, I think if you go back, like. I don't know how long, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, Heath, if a movie wasn't going to perform at the box office, and the studio knew that, their options were uh, pretty much straight to TV or DVD. Like That was the alternate, because yeah. um, there was no streaming around. So like you could go watch it at Blockbuster, or maybe it would come on, like I don't know, TNT or something, right? <laughs> One of those, <laughs> One of those lifetime channels. Right, yeah, exactly. Dramas. But now with streaming... There's this other option where it's like, we can just put it straight on streaming, and we can have whoever's streaming it promote it, and and that's a good option. And I think you're right. I think this is the type of movie where it probably wasn't, I don't think many people, they wouldn't have gotten enough people, I think, to go to the movie theaters to make it worthwhile. Yeah. So just throw it on Hulu. It's a good, it's a short movie. What was it, like 90 minutes, I think? Yeah, about 90 minutes. Throw it on. Throw it you know, on your when you're starting dinner or something. Or something. And it's a it's a good kind of casual watch, honestly. Yeah, I agree. You know, like you're saying, the, the made-for-TV or the direct-to-DVD movies really are a lot less than. Mm-hmm. But with these big studios making streaming platforms, mm-hmm. these straight-to-streaming movies, they don't seem like that. They're, they they no. feel like a higher quality than Larry the Cable Guy 2. Right. Aladdin 3. I know that's a Disney movie, that's Aladdin, you know what I mean? We, we were just talking about Scorsese. Uh-huh. I mean, The Irishman yeah. was a straight-to-Netflix movie. And obviously, it's Scorsese. Yeah. Like, it's a really good movie. It opens up an opportunity for a movie that it, maybe it's the premise isn't going to get people in the theaters, but it's still a really good movie with a lot of resources put behind it. Streaming is a really good option for them yeah. now. So I'm all for it. I know that there's a lot of other peripheral things with streaming, some other problems. But I think, at least with this question, like, does streaming help out movies? I think yes. Yeah. And it, it seems like, in this specific instance, I think a lot of other instances with streaming, the creator has... He seemed like he had full control of the vision Jake Johnson did on what he wants to put here. Right. You know, with a big blockbuster, you're going to have a lot of studio interference being like, okay, we got to make sure this maximizes all of our target audiences, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I, right. I, and I don't think that was happening here. Now, granted, if I was a studio rep, would I have changed the ending of, the, of this movie? Yes, I would have. Yes. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I didn't like the ending. You didn't like... What did you think of it? It seemed a little too straightforward. Mm, okay. I, I thought there were going to be a, a little bit more of a twist and turn. So what happens is, you know, he's he's got to survive 40 days or whatever it is um, without dying. <laughs> survive 40 days without mm-hmm. dying. It's kind of a, a uh, what's the word? You double like? down. I double <laughs> down. Don't die. That's the big thing here. Right. And he gets all the way to the end. And literally the last five minutes or so of, this, of his game is him literally just running for his life to get to the end. Mm-hmm get to the, the finish line, if you will, which is just an open warehouse. He ended up yeah, getting... He wins. He got the million dollars. It was in Greenway... Uh, Greenway. Greenland currency, though. Yeah. Which I don't really know what that translates to. But I saw your review on Letterboxd of this movie. Because we're said, finally following we're each following other. Each other. <laughs> this is big. Took five episodes. Um, you said it was sort of a choose-your-own-adventure ending? What do you mean by that? So, 
what I was referring to is by the end, I was still in the camp of like, okay, so did he or did he not actually imagine all of this? Like, was this reality or was this journey that he takes us on all just kind of in his head? And then I I went to the trusty internet because I was like, I want to find out the answer. And Jake Johnson himself said in an interview, well, it's one of those movies where the audience can just kind of decide what they think about the ending. And I was oh. like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> okay, so that's what you mean by that. That's what I meant. Because, okay. Come on, Jake. Double down. Let us know. I, here's the thing, though, right? You mentioned Wayne Brady shows up at the end. I was completely off. I, that caught me completely off guard because I was like, well, the scene, what? <laughs> the scene was him talking to his family about... How it's actually going to be paid in installments in Greenland currency, which is right. a Danish krone, by the way. I just looked this up. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then all of a sudden, they were like, "What do you think about this, Wayne Brady?" And it pans over, and Wayne like, Brady, I love right it. There. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, by the way, one million Danish krone roughly is one hundred forty-four thousand uh, United dollars. States dollars. Okay. Which so not as much as he thought he was going to get. Not as much as he thought it was, but not terrible. Not terrible. Paid in installments of. Right. However long it was. <laughs> he gets like 200 every yeah. month or something. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, I, I'm curious what some of the other influences are because the game being, it seems like the game being gr- from Greenland, mm-hmm. kind of quirky. It seemed like he was basing it off maybe maybe even something else there. But yeah, it's it was, true. I mean, even the hosts with their wavy white hair. <laughs> right, yeah. Just, it was, it was a like Fabio. <laughs> yeah, a couple, a couple of Fabio dudes. Saying, I think. And and that's the thing, right, is you don't really see the game at all. And that's something that we'll talk about when we get to Truman Show that uh-huh. I think is a big difference is you really you get a peek behind the curtain in Truman Show. You don't really get it in self-reliance. It, you are at the point of view of Tommy from start to end. You only know what he knows. Yeah. And so you don't even really know what all's going behind on the actual game. He gets visited by the ninjas in the night every now and then. Right. And they kind of, like, give him a little bit of insight. They're like, like, the people like you. You should be doing this. (laughs) Which those were, I thought those were funny little scenes. Okay, so that main ninja guy. Yes. I was like, I recognize him. But I don't know what I recognize him from. I know what it is. You know what it is? I think so. What what do you know him from? Stranger Things. Yeah. He's the, like... What's his name? Michi or something? Super (laughs) high pizza worker. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Season four, Stranger Things. I liked him. I'm glad he's doing doing work. Yeah. Um, But, you know, you bring up a good point. It seemed like Jake Johnson was sort of wrestling with this idea of how much of the game do we actually play versus how much is it just this guy coping with his... how he views the world, pretty much, you know? And my guess would be that this movie was just an avenue for him to explore the idea of people like putting themselves in, in these prisons where they, they're they just stuck in a rut. Right. No, I, th- I think you're right. I think that's a, one of the main pieces he's going to try to get out of it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that I don't think you're going to agree with, Heath. You could be wrong. <laughs> but um, I've decided, I've made peace with the fact that I think it was all made up. You think it was all made up? I think he is having mental problems, and everything's imagined. Not everything, obviously, but the entire game is all made up in his head. I kind of like this. But what does that mean about Wayne Brady being there in the end? Yeah, I don't know. That's why I was like, what? (laughs) I don't know. That doesn't... You sound like you're absolutely right. 
that just kind for, of takes away. For the sake away. of argument, I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> I think, but it's a fun theory, and I think obviously he's. I think he's tackling that in this movie. I think, like if, you're saying, if Jake Johnson said it himself, whatever you want to believe, right? Which I don't really like. What do you think of that? This happens in movies where it's an open-ended ending. And it's kind of like, you have to kind of decide. I like the idea of a director having a a vision and sticking to that vision. I like... Telling us what he's saying instead of letting us interpret it how we want. Yeah, or she. Or she. I agree, though. I want... If you're telling me a story, then I want to know what happens. I don't want to have to wrestle with, oh, I don't really know what happens. I guess I can make it up in my head. I, I listened to a podcast. He was on the Big Picture uh, the Ringers movie podcast, Jake Johnson was, and he talked about how this experience, while he enjoyed it, you know, he said, I don't really want to be directing anymore. I think maybe that is a response to, eh, whatever you want, I'm done. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go back to voicing Spider Man <laughs> and Across the Spider Verse or whatever. Right. You know, get my paycheck that <clears throat> way. Uh, Anna Kendrick. Mm-hmm. She was fun in this movie. She was. Yeah. I, I don't see her a lot. But I'm no. glad she's there, you know? Pitch Perfect, she was good in that. Yep. She has a great girl-next-door sort of mentality. Like, yeah. she's along for the ride. She'll, she's fun to hang out with. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of this movie was just, let's just hang out with With Anna people, Kendrick, you know? And, yeah. Well, let's talk about... I'm going to tell you my MVP for this movie. Please, please. Um, the character of James, which I'm doing air quotations because that's actually not his name. <laughs> it's not his name. It's Walter. <laughs> So at one point, uh, Tommy's like, I have to have someone around me. And so he just approaches this homeless guy, and he's like, hey, like, will you just stay around with me, and I'll make sure you have food and a place to stay. And he's like, sure, man. (laughs) And he is the most fun, just laid-back homeless guy who's just, like, appreciative to be able to hang out with this guy. And he's hilarious. I I thought he was the... He was my favorite character in the whole movie. Well, when they were at Anna Kendrick's mom's house, mm-hmm. and it starts with him eating breakfast, and he's basically just telling his life story, and then he looks at Anna Kendrick's mom, he's like, what was the question again? She goes, I didn't, I didn't ask, ask a question. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, so he... Let me ask you this. Did you think that he was going to be in on it? I thought the whole time that he was somehow in on the game, and that he was going to try to kill... Interesting. Tommy at the end. Um, I, I'm honestly glad it didn't go that way because yeah. he's such a likable character. Mm-hmm. I I think there was probably I think there was probably a point where every single person Tommy encounters, I'm like they might be part of it, but I never really thought James was part of it. He just seemed too pure. He was too pure. But I guess it goes back into that. I was in the paranoia phase. <laughs> right. James, played by Biff Whiff, mm-hmm. one of the best names in Hollywood. Fantastic. Is it his real name? Who knows? I had never I had never seen anything that Biff Whiff has been in. So Biff Whiff got popular from the Netflix show, Tim Robinson's I Think You Should Leave. Mm-hmm. Have you watched I Think You Should Leave? Mm-mm. It's a sketch comedy show on Netflix, and it's, it's pretty zany. It's pretty out there. Yeah. He's got a few skits in there that he's on. My favorite is he is playing Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. He looks like Santa Claus. He does, yeah. <laughs> However, he is promoting his new action movie. And so there, it's him in an interview with like a, a journalist mm-hmm. talking about the movie. But then the guy wants to ask Santa Claus questions. And Biff Whiff is like, I'm not here to talk about that. Right. I'm just here to promote here the movie. movie. 
And it's one of my favorite bits of anything I've seen in a long time. So when you say, like, sketch comedy, like, is it's, this kind of like, like, SNL? It's, I think, SNL shorts. Like, those digital shorts, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not live, but it's... Perfect. Yeah, it's, yeah, I it's love a, a good digital short. You know the first one that popped in my head? What? It is uh, Ryan Gosling, and I forget her other name, but she's fantastic. And it's it's a Christmas one uh-huh. where they're, like, new to the neighborhood. Oh, I have seen this one. <laughs> and, but they're, like, I think they were both, like, orphans or something, so they've grown up believing that Santa's real because <laughs> no one told them that he isn't. And so they're hanging out with their, like, adult friends in the neighborhood, and they, like, start freaking out when they're, like, Santa's not actually here. And they're like, go get Santa! <laughs> I love that sketch so much. Yeah, it's a good one. I always like the, uh, all the Lonely Island sketches. Like, I th- threw it on the ground. It was always a classic mm-hmm. for us growing up. I think I watched that one with my sister probably 65 times. <laughs> That's a good one. We thought it was so funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm on a boat. Classic. Of course. Lazy, um, Lazy Sunday, always one of my yeah. favorites. I don't think this one's Lonely Island, but um, Dear Sister. Dear Sister. Do you know Dear Sister? I don't know Dear Sister. It's uh, Bill Hader and Andy Samberg, and then uh, Shia LaBeouf shows up. Oh, and it's the ooh, what do yes. you say? <laughs> I didn't know that was called Dear Sister. I love that one. That's a good one. Speaking of Lonely Island, I believe they actually were a part of the production of this movie. Yeah, well, I know Andy Samberg was a producer, so that would make sense. And then uh, they should have had a song. Also, host of the Dark Web Killing Game. <laughs> yeah. Did it ever say the name of the game? I mean, I if it did, it didn't stick. You know, we've all, we've talked a little bit about the criticism. You know, ending falls a little flat. You also yeah. just said holes? Question mark. Right. Yeah. Just there plot, are some plot holes. holes. Sure. I mean, you're, like you're saying, like you don't even know if it's it's real or not. You know. Yeah. There are definitely. I Anna, feel like Anna Kendrick ends up being not actually a part of the game. She was just bored, and then that's mm-hmm. not necessarily ever resolved. He like goes to her house at the end of the movie, but then. She He's finally acting. It, it ends before she, she opens the door. I'm going to assume she opens the door. Hopefully. Or, well, that's or my interpretation of it. Did she even exist? Did she even <laughs> exist? Favorite scene? You got a favorite scene for me? Um, the, the scene that I laughed the hardest in was, again, it's like right at the beginning of him having this game. He goes over to his friend's house, and he is like, like I'm kind of freaked out, man, so like, thanks for letting me stay. And his brother-in-law is like, of course, man. And and then he's like, so, you know, I, I guess we should just hop in bed now, right? And he's like, like, together? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm not sleeping with you. And then Tommy's like, listen, I don't want to sleep with you either, but I have to. Like, there, there's no working around. It's, <laughs> they end up, like, being in the same bed. And then he wakes up at, like, 3 a.m., and the brother-in-law's gone, and he, like, starts freaking out. He's, like, crawling through the well, house. He looks outside, there's a guy with a gun. Yeah, there's, like, one of the hunters. <laughs> he finds his brother-in-law, like, on the can, and he's like, you can't leave me. And he's like, I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> and he's, like, trying to hide behind him on the toilet. I thought it was it was the funniest scene in the movie for me. No, that's a, that's a good one for sure. Uh, my, my favorite scene is, and honestly, like, just his interactions... With the game and with the the hunters, I think were a lot of the funniest things. You can think of like that random Ellen DeGeneres lookalike who mm-hmm. not just two thousand before Biff Whiff showed up again. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna go with when him and Anna Kendrick are they're staying at that motel together, and there's a knock on the door, 
some guy's trying to break in. He opens the door, and it's some guy walking away, but he's dressed like Mario from the movie. Or not the, not the movie, the video game's Mario. Right. But also the movie. Also the movie, <laughs> Super Mario. We saw that movie together. We did, in Fort Smith. Rain delay for a tennis tournament. We said, we got time to kill. <laughs> saw the Super, Super Mario, Mario Brothers. Movie. But he's like, hey, man, you know the rules. You can't, you can't be following us. And so they get into this little argument. He's like, oh, I'm just maintenance. He's got like, right. a Norwegian accent or whatever. He's like, hey, man, why are you... Why are you dressed like Mario? <laughs> he's like, I'm not. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then it's like this whole argument about, he's like, well, if I'm Mario, then that makes you King Koopa? He's like, no, I'm not King Koopa. I'm Mario. That makes you Lakitu or whatever. And then Anna Kendrick's like, yeah, and I'm Luigi. She's like, you don't want to be Princess Peach? She goes, well, now I'm realizing they're brothers, so maybe I am <laughs> Princess Peach. But it goes to what my MVP is, is that... I think Jake Johnson is funny enough and has enough charisma to carry a movie for 90 minutes. Yeah, you know? I think so, too. And that, that, that scene just kind of plays into that. And mm-hmm. so, good movie, man. Self-reliance. I thought I liked it. I, again, I think... Uh, I gave it three and a half stars, but I, I'm, pretty, uh, I'm pretty liberal with my star giving on Letterboxd. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I, I forgot. I think I gave it three stars. It's not bad. Um... It's worth the watch, I it's, would say. It's, if when you have Hulu. The fact that it's on Hulu and it's only 90 minutes, it's not a bad option to throw on the TV. But obviously, like we've been talking about, you know, it, it's, it's, it centers around this guy who is the main subject of a reality TV show. And so there's a lot of inspiration, whether this was deliberate or not, of Peter Ware's 1998 movie, The Truman Show, mm-hmm. which is... Jim Carrey plays the lead man, Truman. Mm-hmm. What's his last name? I should know this. I should know I this saw too. it last night. I almost said Capote. And I was like, that's <laughs> not it. <laughs> that's not it. Truman Burbank. Yeah, that's right. So Jim Carrey plays Truman Burbank. He doesn't know it, but everything in his life is a part of a massive TV set. Executive producer Kristoff orchestrates The Truman Show, a live broadcast of Truman's every move captured by hidden cameras. Kristoff tries to control Truman's mind, even removing his true love, Sylvia, from the show and replacing her with Meryl, played by Laura Linney. As Truman gradually discovers the truth, however, he must decide whether to act on it. Now, as always, Drew, what is your relationship to this movie? So, I'm trying to think when I first saw Truman's show. No one recommended this movie to me. I don't know how I found it. I'm tempted to say I got recommended it, like... So when I say no one recommended it, I think the YouTube algorithm recommended a clip to me. And I watched it and was like, boy, that was interesting. Dude, the algorithm knows. So I've, I've since seen it at least three times, maybe four. I can't, I'm not for sure on that. But I love this movie. And I'll tell you why I love it, Heath, is that I don't know about everyone else. I would like to think that most people, though, have thought at one point in their life... Am I just living in a simulation? It's a real psychological phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm. And it's called the Truman Effect. Is it really? Yeah. Was it named that before this movie? It probably was already something that people were dealing with, but then I think they popularized it by naming it the Truman Effect. That makes sense. It's such an interesting philosophical idea, and I think that this is just such a cool movie of exploring that. Oh, yeah. Like, what if what if you are actually like everything around you is intentionally placed the way it is because there's people on the outside that are orchestrating your whole life? It's kind of a scary thought. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, and it's sort of an evil thought, too. Yeah, it is. Um, but it's hard not to think like that sometimes. I yeah. Think just, I don't know, you yeah, might need we, to go to a psychiatrist. I mean, yeah, <laughs> everyone has existential, you know, Oh yeah. considerations. I think that's just part of the human experience, right. you know? I think, in a way, if I may, we kind of want to be the main character. That's you know? true, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think this also, this movie plays into that a little bit. I mean, you've heard the phrase before, like, the world doesn't revolve around you. Like, there's a reason that's a phrase, right? Because everyone's like, maybe it does. The crazy thing is, it does revolve around Truman, though. Yeah. And (laughs) and you quickly find out in the movie that that's not a good thing. No, it's not a good thing. You don't want the the world revolving around you. No. I I love this movie. I do, too. It's one of my favorites ever. I saw it for the... I saw it a couple times, but really when it clicked for me, I took a, uh, a video class in high school. We watched a movie from each decade, and this was the movie we watched from the 90s. It kind of just clicked with me what movies can be, mm-hmm. you know? Like, oh, I just, I like movies growing up. Right. But this movie made it click for me that, oh my goodness, this is a medium that can create, like, powerful storytelling. Yeah. You know? And it's also, I mean, that's the thing, though, right? Like, this is such an entertaining movie. Like, I can watch this movie at any point. Oh, yeah. And, but it also has such a powerful message behind it. Like you said, that movies are one of the, the few things that I think can really help you explore a question that is as profound as, like, you know, where do I fall within existence? Right. Well, even a couple of years ago, I remember me and my dad were, uh, we were in Sedona, Arizona, and we'd been hiking all day. We got back home to the, the hotel, and, you know, we were just watching whatever was on TV, and Truman Show was on. Mm-hmm. So we, we watched, like, the last 30 minutes. And, you know, it's the last scene where he's, spoiler alert, where he's escaping. And it's it's a pretty powerful, harrowing scene, mm-hmm. you know, him yeah. in the sailboat, him finding the stairs, all that. And um, my dad's not a huge movie guy. Mm-hmm. He, he one time said to me and my sister, this is pretty recently, he's like, y'all are film snobs for watching Mario and Star Wars movies. This is the actual thing that came out of his mouth. But I remember watching that scene with him. I could tell in his eyes, like, it kind of clicked for him. Like, mm-hmm. Why this was a powerful scene, why this was, like, a really good movie. And I was like, I think we just bonded over the Truman Show. Nice. Nice. It was good. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this movie is incredible. And there's there's so many highlights to it. So many. Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Which is probably my favorite Jim Carrey role. And it's not a typical Jim Carrey role. Like, yeah. it's um, it's very dramatic. There's a lot going on. This and is probably his first dramatic turn. Yeah, He's probably. in a few, like, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is another dramatic movie that he's in. But yeah. this is probably his first dramatic role. He's a very normal guy in this movie, which he ha- he kind of has to be, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that's why... That's why the Truman Show is so popular. Like in in the movie, it's the most popular show in the world. Right. I think because people just relate to Truman, and they he's like a comfort for them. Mm-hmm. I think yep. they say that a couple times. Some of the people being interviewed. Which this is going to get a little meta, Heath. But is that the reason why everyone loves podcasts right now? It's because it's like if it's just a few people having genuine conversation, you can just kind of throw it on in your car or while you're doing laundry or something. Like we we. We really just genuinely like, or we really like genuine interaction between yeah. people, or just seeing people go about their daily lives. I think you're hitting the nail on the head here, and I think that's what Peter Ware was kind of probing mm-hmm. at a little bit too. I yeah. mean, 
I, I loved all the the shots of all the the people watching it. You know, you had the guy in the bathtub, you had the two security guards, you had mm-hmm. the whole bar, and like, but like they were, I mean, they were fixated on mm-hmm. Truman's yeah. life, and all he was, he just sold insurance. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. He wasn't like a superhero or anything mm-hmm. like that. He was just a guy. Yeah. And Jim Carrey plays it perfectly because I like the people in the movie and like compelled to watch this guy because he's just so empathetic and so I, it's just a great, it's a great character. Yeah, you 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 want to talk about rooting for a character like you want to root for Truman so hard and I know at least on my end I was like, dude, like stick it to the to the show that's doing this to you. Oh, yeah. Like that's why that end scene is so powerful because you're like. You beat him, you know. <laughs> you didn't think you could, but you, you did. Left. Yeah, because it because they have so much control over his life. Um, you know, like it's so and there's so much manipulation, right? Like they're they from a young age made him afraid of water because they staged that his dad drowned on like one day that they were out on the boat, so that he never tries to go across the water that's going to lead him like kind of to the edge of this artificial world they made like how evil is it for them to do yeah. that it's so it's just so controlling and so manipulative but also it's like it makes sense if someone was like okay my job is to make sure this guy doesn't find out how to do this what I mean, am i going to do to make sure he does that like that's exactly the, what you do the first ever person to be adopted by a corporation right, right. That? yeah <laughs> that's the thing and so they yeah i mean they're, they're just controlling it's like even like his marriage is not even real. Like, right. there's no love there. She's just an actress, you know. Which, think about this for a second. How hard would it be to be an actress where you're like always working? Like your life is you're working. You're you're acting. Well, so in the very beginning, you know, they have those little uh, interviews with the actors. So mm-hmm. it's like it's you know his wife, his it's best Marlon, friend. Mm-hmm. And I think she says that. She goes, like, my life is the Truman Show. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So I think in movie world, there is probably some sort of, like, a blending of. Right. But, I mean, she she obviously, she breaks character. Like, she's in character the whole time as his wife, but that's not actually who she is. Right. It's so manip- manipulative, so evil. But at the same time, I do want to ask you about Kristoff, mm-hmm. played by Ed Harris. Fantastic. He's the producer of this show. Yeah. And, like, he looks at himself as like the god of this world mm-hmm. and as the the father of of Truman and there's a part where you know as Truman starts to realize something something is wrong and it's crazy because he has no concept of what could be wrong he right. just knows that's like, the whole his whole world he's like something is off like he starts you know that the light drops Mm-hmm. There's rain that's only on him and nowhere else. Mm-hmm. He sees the elevator was actually just like a break room for the actors, you know? Yep. But, you know, he starts to get crazier and crazier. People are scared. What's going to happen to the show? What's going to happen to the show? So Ed Harris's Kristoff has a, an interview mm-hmm. where he's talking about, you know, what's going on with the show right now. He ends up getting a phone call from Sylvia, who was the girl that Jim Carrey's actually in love with. Sylvia, back when they were in high school, tried to tell him that all of this was fake. She yeah. gets kicked out of the giant bubble. Because she was two, just like a, a background actor. She was right? just a background It wasn't supposed actor. to be part of the main story. No. And that's funny, too, how like they try to fabricate his love, but he ends up loving somebody else. Like, right. Truly. Which mm-hmm. is just a nice little detail. She gets kicked out of the giant bubble. One of only two man-made structures with the Great Wall of China that can be seen from space. This <laughs> Truman Show studio. 
filmed in Seaside, Florida. I don't know if cool. you've ever been to Seaside. I haven't been to Seaside. I've been multiple times. Beautiful mm-hmm. place. And the scene where he's talking to Marlon while Marlon is uh, stocking the, the vending, vending machines. machines. Mm-hmm. I've been in that grocery store. That's cool. How fun is that? That's man? super cool. Uh, but Christoph, you know, he gets the phone call from Sylvia years later. And she's like, how could you do this? Like, you're treating it. He's a prisoner. He's a, you've mm-hmm. created him uh, like a prison for him. And it's like a lot of times villains don't see themselves as the bad guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I've created a perfect world for Truman. Mm-hmm. Out there where you live, that's the bad place. He should be in here safe with me. Yeah. And obviously it's twisted. Obviously it's evil. But it's, it, it's an interesting dynamic that it's almost like you kind of think of like Thanos and the MCU mm-hmm. where he's like, well, I'm just doing this to save the rest of the people. Right. Because we're running out of resources, that kind of thing. It's, yep. The villain, a lot of times, a compelling villain, I think, thinks he's doing right. For sure, yeah. And so what, do you, what are your th- kind of takes on Kristoff? Another thing that Kristoff says is that the Truman Show brings happiness to, like, millions of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we, we see throughout the movie all these people who are, like, that's all they do is watch the show. Like, that's, that that's is, their life. That's their life. That's what makes them happy. And so it's um, probably an, another argument that Kristoff would say is, like, if one man has to suffer for the happiness of hundreds of millions, like, that's worth it. I think yeah. that's another way he looks at it. Um, but it's obviously twisted. You can't, you can't take someone's freedom from them and it'd be right, even if they're unaware that you've taken it from them. You right. know, Which, obviously, as the movie goes on, the whole premise is Truman starts to become more and more aware that he doesn't have freedom. Yeah. It's, all, it's all a facade. It's all a facade. I mean, even, even Laura Linney, with her commercials, basically, her advertisements for random... She's like, look what I got at the store. It's Coco Moco Coco. You can make six cups per serving. Right. He's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> it's great stuff. But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic between um, Truman and and Christoph. And his wife. Oh, oh, with, oh and with his Christoph. wife. Mm-hmm. Well, his wife, too. But um, did you know that... Ed Harris and Jim Carrey, they actually never met on set. It's like they never actually interacted with each other besides him talking to him from the heavens mm-hmm. there at that very last scene, which, which I think is, created that I think that's that super dynamic. cool. I'm telling you, Peter Ware thought of like everything in this movie. He's fantastic. You know who else is an unsung hero in this movie? Who? Paul Giamatti. Dude, I love that, that guy. <laughs> anytime Paul Giamatti is in a movie, it just elevates it. <laughs> I watched it. It had been a, it'd been a second since I had seen it. And I watched it twice this week, just because nice. I, I just I like the movie. Yeah. And I forgot. I was like, oh yeah, Paul Giamatti's in here. <laughs> yeah. As one of the producers, you can tell that his character probably isn't as on board with it as Kristoff is, but like it's his job. Yeah. So he's like, you know, he's getting orders from Kristoff. He's like, all right, turn that light out and make sure that person goes and tells him this. And he's kind of like, okay, <laughs> but I don't think. I think if you interviewed that character and was like, is this right? He'd probably be like, uh, I'm not so sure about that. Just get the paycheck. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just doing my job. Just doing my job. Just being a bystander. Another little detail I thought was very funny was, you know, as Truman's getting more paranoid, uh, the actors around him, they're not good actors no. because <laughs> they cannot act natural. <laughs> Right. When he starts to get flustered, yeah, they literally are, are terrible actors. They all are like deer in a headlight. They're <laughs> yeah. like, uh. <laughs> well, when he gets on the bus uh-huh. to like go to, 
I forgot Chicago, where Chicago think, or something like that. He's trying to get to Fiji ultimately because that's where Sylvia was apparently, allegedly in, in Fiji. Yeah, because her dad, some actor who was her dad, was like, "We're moving to Fiji." Like that was his that was his excuse to like get Truman to leave them alone. So he's like, "I'm going to Fiji." Yeah, but he's on. He gets on the bus to like go to Chicago, and they have to like pretend like the bus is broken down, and then. <laughs> Whatever the conductor equivalent of a bus is gets on. He's like, all right, everyone off. And everyone, like, immediately stands up and runs off the bus. Yeah, it's like, it's, that wouldn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's not natural. I mean, they even there's even some commentary about that at the end. You know, he's on the sailboat trying to escape. And there's a boat that they were trying to get started. But when Kristoff was on the phone with one of the guys, they're like, they can't drive the boat. He's like, why is it? He's like, they're actors. Right. Yeah, they're not actually... <laughs> Nobody's actually real. Nobody knows how to actually do anything. Right. I really like the filmmaking. I think it goes into... You were talking about, I could just rewatch this movie. Mm-hmm. It Visually, it's really fun to look at. It with is. With all the different... Like, half the movie is the hidden cameras around. Yeah. Like like we're watching the Truman Show. Right. It's, it's fascinating, you know? Like, every time he's in the car, it's just like that, that camera that's in his radio. Mm-hmm. When he's talking to people... You know, I love when he's talking to those two twin brothers, and they always meet him right by that sign. Oh, yeah, and then they, they like, pin him up on the sign. Pin signs. him a little bit so the so, advertisement is, is visible. Right, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I really loved how this movie was shot. Uh, what do you think about that? I think it, it creates... Obviously, like, if you were in that world watching the show, it would just be entertaining to watch this Truman guy go about his day. But as, as we in the audience are watching this movie, it heightens the level of paranoia, because you're like... Oh my gosh, they're watching him every second. Like, he doesn't know it, but he doesn't have a private moment. Right. Everywhere he goes, there's a camera. And you're like, that freaked me out the first time yeah. I watched this. I was like, what if that was happening to me? Like, no matter where I was, no matter where I thought I was safe, there's a camera somewhere watching me. There's not a, a private moment. That's scary. <laughs> Terrifying that. Peter Ware, actually, he wanted to install a camera in every movie theater that this movie was being played in mm-hmm. and there was going to be a quick cutaway during the movie yeah. to, the to the audience real quick and then right back to the movie. I, I, I can see why that wasn't financially or ethically <laughs> right. viable, yeah. but... But how, how yeah, crazy would that have been? And then, oh, and then you couldn't, you wouldn't spoil it for anybody. You'd just be like, oh, you got to go watch the Truman right. Show. Yeah. It would have been an experience like any other. Unlike any other. That'd be, that'd be crazy. Jim Carrey mm-hmm. won a Golden Globe. Sure did, and um, deservedly so. I don't even want to know who the other. I've people seen nominated. his speech for that, and he's very thankful, specifically towards Peter Weir, where he's yeah. like, "Thank you for creating this character and letting me like explore this." Have you seen any other Peter Weir movies? Peter Weir, uh, I've I seen I Master and Commander. Okay, mm-hmm. Far Side of the World. That's a that's a dude rock movie right there. We'll we'll talk about that at some point. I've seen Witness. I love Witness with Harrison Ford. Okay. You gotta watch Witness, dude. What's that one about? So he is a cop in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and this young Amish boy and his mom come to Philadelphia for a day. I think to like go to the doctor or something. Mm-hmm. And the boy witnesses a murder, but then the and it's actually the other detectives in the Philadelphia Police Department. They pin it on Harrison Ford. He's got to go into hiding, hiding in the Amish country. Half the movie is him literally just doing carpentry work with Amish. It's incredible. I love Witness. I'm all about Witness. 
Oh. I've never seen Dead Poets Society. I've seen Dead Poets Society in school. Like, they played it in one of my classes. And it was good. It was pretty good. Yeah. I've heard good things. The Way Back I actually saw. I remember seeing The Way Back. It's about... Oh, it's got Ed Harrison. Man, this guy loves Ed Harris. But who does? Isn't that cool (laughs) that, like, directors and actors will, like... They'll kind of form a bond. And I, love it when, I love it when that happens. They'll be in multiple movies from that director. You know, speaking of Martin Scorsese, he's got De Niro, De Niro. and Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those I mean, are his guys. Him and DiCaprio now have done, what, probably six movies together? Right. Gangs of New York, mm-hmm. The Aviator, Departed. Shutter no, Island, Leo Departed. Was, was Leo in Departed? Yeah. Okay. Oh, dude, I can't wait for our Departed episode. I'm was it compared it with about. Internal Affairs? Is that right? Uh, internal Affairs, but I think it's actually going to be the Hong Kong's Infernal Affairs. It okay. might be our first foreign movie that we do. <laughs> All right. Oh, dude, that movie rocks. Uh, Which one? Departed or yeah, the Hong... Okay. The Departed. Oh, I can't wait to just start doing the Leo voice talking about... Oh, my God. Well, wait. I'll save it for the pod. Yeah. But there's one scene in particular where he's talking about... He, he's like... He really, he's got huge anxiety. No, I, I can't be talking about this Stop. right now. Stop. What am I doing? That's <laughs> enough. <laughs> Sorry, that's what the departed does to him, man. I gotta say though, man, let's let's. I gotta get back to the Truman. Show. Loop it back to the Truman <laughs> Show. I think the best part of the movie is after watching that movie, and then you take a breath, and then you realize that we really do live in like freedom. Man, that feels good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm not Truman Burbank. Sometimes you take for granted. Just being able to have, like, a private moment at night or in your car or something like that. Where, like, Truman didn't have that. And it's, like, it's just one of those moments where you're, like, you know what? There are things that I'm not thankful for on a daily basis. And, like, this movie, like, pointed out to me. It's, like, I'm glad for that I can have some some time just to myself. (laughs) Some autonomy. (laughs) Right, yeah. Shout out to autonomy, man. (laughs) Yeah. If we were naming this episode... Shout out to autonomy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might we, we might put it in. Um, what's your MVP? Do you have an MVP? I think. Uh, <laughs> what if you didn't? <laughs> I don't have an MVP. <laughs> Nothing valuable. I think it's Jim Carrey. I think. Um, it's a good pick. I think it's an easy, obvious pick. But man, I think if if he doesn't work, then the movie doesn't work. Uh, you're like, exactly you have right. to have. The, the perfect main character in this movie. I mean, he's it's the called most, The Truman Show. He's one of the most relatable characters of all time, where he wants to travel. He wants to go see the world, but mm-hmm. his circumstances, granted it's a very over-exaggerated version of circumstance, but we all want to explore. You right. Know? He, we all want to be spontaneous. We all want to be spontaneous. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> that, that's a good pick. Nothing wrong with that, buddy. I love it. I the that and my favorite scene of Jim Carrey is that whole sequence where he's he's really starting to pick up on things and Meryl gets in the car and he's like looking in the rearview mirror and he's like first the kid on the bike and then the lady holding the baby and then the mailman and then like it all happens and he's like <laughs> he's fantastic. Gets to do his Jim Carreyisms. <laughs> yeah. Peter Ware's probably like, okay. Right. That green was good. Light, green light, buddy. Go but for no it, more man. after. <laughs> you have five seconds. <laughs> right. But that's it. Yeah, no, that's that's a good pick. My MVP is actually it's the cinematographer. Yeah. Peter Bizu is his name. We love to up. shout out some obscure cinematographers. Hey, nothing wrong with it. We love film here. Uh, Peter Bizu. I looked him up, and in his Wikipedia, it's like a master of cinematography. Peter Bizu. Nice. And I'm like, that's right, dude. 
Um, I just love the way this is shot. There's using all the, the hidden cameras as actual shots for the movie. Super creative. Like, and uh, all the all the cuts to you know the fans that are watching. It's a it's a really immersive movie in a lot is. of ways. It is. Yeah, big credit to him for because I think before this movie you you didn't really see much of that hidden camera no. kind of work. I guess found footage was even like just starting to get legs late yeah. 90s, early 2000s. So this was a, a real time in film where they were starting to experiment with like, what else can we do with a camera right. besides just kind of put it on a dolly? Yeah, it is pretty experimental when you mm-hmm. think about it that way. I guess mockumentaries too were kind of starting to become a thing. I think of like, this is Spinal Tap was right. mm-hmm. sort of the first big one, I guess. Yeah. Um, any criticisms? I know you're not a, a filmmaker, so you have no right, but right. you're going to do it anyway. What is it? <laughs> I just wanted more of it. I. Um, That's fair. It's only a ninety minutes. It's a pretty short movie. That it, it, which, what a great criticism to say. I wish there was more of it. I, I, that's that's like you could even say that's not a criticism. Exactly. <laughs> I just I wanted to live in the world a little bit longer before Truman finds out what's going on, and maybe that's just because I'm on my fourth time of watching it, and now I'm like, I wish I could see a little bit more of this, but like. Um, other than that, man, it is, it's such a, it's a flawless movie, in, in my opinion. I think it has such a great story, nails the ending, each character has a good arc, it's, it's really good. And I feel sort of bad, because I'm with you, in that I wanted to see Truman living his life, but that's the whole premise yeah, that's of also the story, like, is that it's wrong. <laughs> right, right, yeah. But it, 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 gets, it goes back to your MVP, Jim Carrey, like he's such a compelling character to watch that mm-hmm. you're like oh I want to just watch this guy do his life you right. know because you just sympathize and empathize with him so well yeah or even I could even say it this way like from the moment that he does figure out that something's going on I could even have used a little bit more at that point because yeah. that's when it really I think that's really when it starts to pick up is when you just you can see this look in his eyes as he starts looking around and noticing things and he's like things aren't right like I love that part of the movie so much, and if, if I had another 15 minutes of that, I wouldn't be complaining. My criticism is, it's more of a nitpick, I guess. Again, I love this movie. Yeah. But it's the actress that plays Sylvia, it's her American accent, terrible. One of the worst American accents I've ever heard. She's yelling at Kristoff on the phone, she's like, he's a prisoner, mate! It's not that bad, but right. you, you, get the idea. you get the idea. You should let him free. It's not good. It's not a good accent. I'm sorry. But I can tell you are not from America. Actress who plays Sylvia in, in Truman Show. Yeah. I almost called it Jim Carrey. In, in Jim Carrey. In Jim Carrey. Favorite scene? Yeah, I think um, even... So once he's, he looks in the rearview mirror and he notices things, then he starts driving and like he goes around a roundabout and then like he tries to go down this street... And then, like, all of these cars, like, immediately, like, clog the street where there's traffic. And then he, like, backs up, goes around the roundabout again, and he's like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. And then he goes back, and then all of a sudden he's like, where are the cars? They're all gone. (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) Almost like magic. It's so, um, what's the word? It's, like, cathartic to see him, like, Finally. beat the system. Like, yeah. He figures it out, and he's like, this is weird. What do you have to say about that, Meryl? And she's like, you're going crazy. <laughs> uh, Laura Linney does a great job, by the way, in this she movie. She sure does. It's a, it's a hard role, I feel like, to do, to mm-hmm. act as an actress who is 
faking being married to a guy. Right. And it's... And it's kind of having trouble. Like, how do you act as a bad actor? Or an actor that's kind of having trouble. Having trouble That's a really hard... It's a hard thing to do. ...thing to do. She does a good job. Then she finally breaks down when he... uh, I mean, he has his freak out. Right. And he's like... You know, he grabs her... With the, it's not even a knife, it's like it's the... It's like a, a four-in-one kitchen tool. Yeah. <laughs> it looks plastic, honestly. She's yelling, do something! He's like, what did you say? And then Marlon comes out of nowhere and hugs her. And he's, she's like, I can't work under these conditions. It's unprofessional. <laughs> it's funny. Man, my, my favorite scene... Is it's is the last like twenty minutes his escape mm-hmm. on the sailboat, you know, Kristoff. It, it's a it's a pretty disturbing line where, you know, he's scared of the water, so he's finally facing that fears to escape here, mm-hmm. and you know they control all the weather in this dome, so they make like a hurricane for him pretty much, and the the owners of the studio Philip Philip Baker Hall is in this movie my yeah. guy Philip Baker Hall is the the studio head who comes in and he's like what are you doing man you can't kill him on live TV and he's like well he was born in front of a live audience that's a dark line <laughs> really dark yeah but then you know he survives the the hurricane gets the boat back up and running and then he crashes into the end of the world pretty much right and again all his concept is this this is it right yeah. So he's like, he's heartbroken, man. Like, he's like, oh, there is no more than just this town, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So, and then there's a beautiful song that's playing over, and he's like pounding on the pounding on the wall trying to get out. Mm-hmm. And then he finally sees, like, there's a path to some stairs, and there's a door to outside, right? Yeah. It's a beautiful scene. It looks great. Like, it's just this shot of water and him walking, like, on this this basically like just painting of clouds and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. looks great. It does. And then right before he leaves, Kristoff from the heavens like talks to him. Yeah. And he's like, who are you? He's like, well, I'm the creator. And I love how he starts with, I'm the creator. And then he pauses for a second. Like it's just his God complex <laughs> right. yeah. of a television show that brings <laughs> joy and hope to millions of people around the world. And he's like, who am I? He's like, I'm, he's like, you're the star. Yeah. And going back to his life is everything does revolve around Truman. Yeah. But he's like, and this this is kind of I think the most powerful line in the movie. He asked, "Was any of it real?" And Chris, I was like, "Well, you were real." So basically, no. <laughs> Christoph is like basically pleading for him to not leave. He's like, "I've created this world for you. Stay with me. You want to?" He's like almost trying to brainwash him into staying. Yeah. And Jim Carrey gives his famous line that he said so many times and the face when he makes it when he's talking to his neighbor I can never I can never imitate it but that, that smile he does yeah. after saying this he looks he looks up at this guy he says in case I don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night and then he just walks out the door and goes to be free so triumphant it's a it's a beautiful scene man. and you I talked about the song I, I feel like I really connect to uh, movie scores like oh, yeah. a good movie score it can, heightens a movie yeah, regard, it, it really makes it better, and this one has a fantastic um, score at, at that end scene. Like it, it that really... song is called Father Colby's Preaching. Huh. So look it up. It's it's kind of haunting. It is kind of haunting. Um, but it's also it's like... It's sad. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's playing while he's he can't get free, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But then he finds the stairs. Ah, I just, I, it's a great, great It's scene. a really good ending. It's 
we talked about how in self-reliance, maybe the ending didn't hit exactly how it should have. Truman Show, they nailed the ending, and that, that definitely helps its case. One of the other things that Peter Ware was criticizing was, you know, it's, it's obviously a satire, but he was criticizing, like, our, our relationship to media and how, like, just, like, thin it actually is. Like, we don't actually have a relationship to the people we're watching on TV. Oh, like superficial. It, how superficial it is, thank you. So at the very end, you know, it's, it's had all these shots of people, like, compelled to watch Truman Show, and it's the two security guards at the very end after they, they cut off the broadcast and it's over. It's right. done now. Yeah. And they're like, huh. I wonder what else is on. Yeah, TV. what else is on? And then it just ends. <laughs> great, great little last five seconds. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, Heath, spoiler alert. Um, I'm going to choose the Truman Show. Um, oh, go ahead. So I'm going to choose the preceding film. Ah, oh, please, please do. Instead yes. of uh, what do we say? Proceedings, not correct. A correct That's term. Only for course. Did we just say newer? Yeah, newer film. Okay, well, I'm going to choose preceding. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to as well. Show. Which I th- is this the first time I've done that since Moneyball? I think. I think so. Yeah. So way to go, 1998. Yeah, uh, Self Reliance, fine. I think it's worth a watch. I really do. If you have mm-hmm. Hulu, go see it. Uh, the Truman Show is one of my favorite movies ever made. Yeah. So if you haven't seen even... Truman Show, go watch that one first before you <laughs> watch Self Paramount Plus right now. If you have Paramount Plus, um, yeah, it's not even a question. And so I'm glad we got that act out. One quick question before we leave, though. Mm-hmm. Would you rather be in a self-reliance situation or a Truman Show situation? Oh, I'd rather be in self-reliance because at least you're aware of what's of your world. Like you kind of you signed up for it. Um, it's obviously scary to have to try to survive thirty days when you know people are trying to kill you. But I'd still rather have that than my entire life be a lie. That's that's my re- that's that's my reasoning. Yeah, that's easy. I'm with you. You know, it honestly seemed relatively easy to not get killed for 30 days. For right, because he just had to be... Did we even mention that? The yeah, premise yeah. is, if he's with someone, he can't be killed. Right. I don't even know if we mentioned that. I think we did. Okay. If we didn't, hey, if he's with somebody, they can't kill him. And if you survive that, you get a million Danish crumb. Yeah, 144,000. 144,000. Truman, Truman didn't get squat. Truman didn't get squat. But he'll fr- probably go find Sylvia, so good for him. Hey, great for him. And he's got autonomy. Now you know? she can have her authentic Australian accent. Doesn't Hello. Act. Hey, Truman. <laughs> I'm glad you're out of there, mate. So you're going to post this episode tomorrow, right? You're going to post it on Monday? Uh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes. so go ahead and give me your Super Bowl prediction, and we'll see how far off we are I'll by the time you post it. On the Bad Take podcast presented by Dunderhead Sports, uh-huh. I said 3 nothing, 49ers. Defense wins championship. Amazing. Dre Greenlaw gets like Dre nine sacks. That's going to be incredible. What about you? Um, I'm gonna, I, I, think it, I think the Chiefs are going to win. Do I want them to win? No. It's hard um, to bet against Patrick Mahomes, man. He just wins. I'm going to go... Their injury. offense isn't that good this year, so I like a low score. I'm not going to go that low, though. I'll go um, 24-16 Chiefs. I like it. I don't like it, but I, I like it. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, this was a fun episode. I really enjoyed this one. This was fun. Uh, we'll be back next week. Movies Your choice? To be determined. My choice. Perfect. See what happens. <laughs>